0: You may be seated. No, in my mind's eye, I'm seeing a standing ovation, so I'll wait, let you finish clapping. Uh, not much more needs to be said. I thought Aaron was very articulate, but you're better off for Josh. Some people know how to lead forward, and some people don't. Josh does. Uh, I, don't think it's, I don't think he tries, I think it's just natural, hence the calling. Uh, you know... Man, I miss you guys. Just two seconds. I'm going to get into the notes, but I got got to tell you, anybody who's ever done public speaking, you feed off the people. You you learn to read them. I can read you when I'm speaking. Are you with me? Are you not with me? Talking to a camera, I'm hoping you're with me because I feel like so much information you're drinking out of a fire hydrant because I'm going fast and there's a lot of information being dispensed every week. So... I really miss you, but maybe today more than any other day. This is Memorial Weekend. And I have a tradition that I've always done. I've always asked the people in our church, if you are military now or have ever been in the military, please stand. And it's it's one of those goosebump moments in the church. Number one, it surprises the congregation how many people in their their own church were military. I mean, the percentage of people that stand is huge. And always, those that are seating just almost naturally break out into applause. Applause of appreciation and, and uh, not being able to do that today is killing me. Because for me, that's one of those kind of goosebump moments that I get to enjoy every, every year on Memorial Weekend Sunday. Uh, I, I'm kind of part of a military family, even though I'm not. Uh, my father is, is World War II generation. He served in the, in the uh, Pacific region uh, on the aircraft carrier Boxer. All of my uncles in that generation, of course, were, were military. Uh, I'm not, but my son is a career in the Army and has served in uh, Germany and then saw a battle, battle in Afghanistan and Iraq. My daughter-in-law, which really might as well made my daughter, served in Iraq. And so there's a lot of military tied into to my family. I think my, my great appreciation with all this is they all came home. Memorial weekend is recognizing some didn't. I think this weekend is that time of... of, We're not celebrating our independence. That's that's more 4th of July, isn't it? But this is recognizing there's a price tag to our independence. And there's a lot of families that that person that they loved, that fought for us, didn't come home. And I think it's so smart that we as a nation stop and say, let's recognize some reality here. Let's let's come together and recognize those families that have grieved at one point or another because someone didn't come home. So I, I think... Even though we're not together in the room, I think it's so appropriate. Let's just have prayer together as we begin our Sunday on Memorial Weekend. And Father, we thank you for our freedom. It's not cheap. It's precious. And I pray for those families that Memorial Weekend has a unique significance because for them someone did not come home. I'm so thankful that everybody in my family came home. I pray your presence around us. As a nation, may our thoughts be on our nation. May there be a spiritual revival in our nation, a spiritual healing in our nation. Give us wisdom in this election year. We pray your hand upon our country. In the name of Christ, amen. We are in a series, The Battle, and each week I'm trying to recap where we've been. It's dawning on me the recap's getting longer. Because we've been doing more, more of the sessions. But let's just kind of real quick zip you through. So kind of make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, we're in an invisible war. We're involved every day. Satan is constantly slandering the church. That's me and you. Satan is not confined to hell but roams the earth. We are soldiers because we're in the war. We are not civilians. We are under the supreme commander. This rebellion is against God and he will root it out. This rebellion did not begin on earth, it began in heaven. Lucifer, one-third of the angels, rebelled. Lucifer is the most beautiful creation God has ever created. Satan's not ugly, he's beautiful. He understands beauty. And that created an intense pride and he declared the I will, I will ascend above God. This starving for his glory is the meaning of our life. For our decisions we make, who gets glory from our decisions So creation is because of these events. God built us. He could have stopped this right away, just just create something more beautiful than Satan. End of the glory grab. Instead, he created us to live out his glory and defeat Satan every day. Then we're told we're in his likeness. And Satan tries to destroy God's likeness, me and you, sin. Once he destroys us, he can go to God and say, see what I did with your likeness. Our design... Is a personal relationship with Christ for his glory. He breathed into us, which is face-to-face communication. Okay. Let's build. Gonna peel the onion back a little bit more. And we have to keep the pace on creation right now. At creation, God's eternal spirit was breathed into us. When he breathed into us, remember last week, face to face? God's eternal, we're eternal. He breathed eternally into us. Adam's body was clay God breathes in and produces a soul spiritually the soul is that individual ego of all of us the soul says I will or I will not it's the decision-making piece of our spiritual personalities it's like the rudder that we steer our life with and there's a point in time when the soul is touched by the spirit of God happened to me a long time ago. Maybe happened to you recently. Maybe it still needs to happen when that Spirit of God that breathed into you comes into that will of you, your soul, and says, you need me. You are spiritually lonely. A fancy-dancy word sometimes is conviction. But something in, in us realizes, I've been going the wrong way. Satan's been getting glory from my life. Something within us begins to click. Maybe our hands get a little little moist. Maybe, Maybe we have some physical reactions. But the reality is, down in our soul, the spirit of us says, I need Christ. And God in heaven, I have not lived for you. Satan's been getting glory out of my life. I have blown the reason for my existence. And we come to God and say, God in heaven, forgive me. If I have a choice here, I choose you. And what I used to be is gone. That's not who I'm going to be anymore. It's almost like that part, that part of my past, I'm killing it. Scripture talks about crucifying it. That's dead, and now I'm alive, a brand new person. Isn't that baptism? We celebrate that very prayer. You ever notice the words on baptism? Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. When you were baptized, you were buried with Christ. You can see the baptism. When you were raised with him in your faith of God's power that he showed when he raised Christ from the dead. In other words, what I used to be is dead, buried, and now I'm alive, a brand new person in Christ. But some folks are kind of messing up the definitions. We're creating new moralities, which is Garden of Eden stuff. Every generation, Satan tries to blur right and wrong, good and evil. But there's that soul within us that always cries out, We can't get away from it. It's our origin that soul cries out for the creator. Creation wants the creator. We've been talking a lot on the series of our purpose. I've been drumming it into you. Your purpose, the the meaning of life, give glory to God. In addition to that, there's a destiny. And our destiny, you ready? We're created to rule. We're created to be the ruler. We're created... To have dominion. You and I are powerful people. Genesis 126. Take a look. Let them, or us, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, he's not speaking to Adam individually. He didn't say, let you. Let them have dominion. All of your descendants. Me and you. And this is cleared out again. Psalm 8. Verses 4 to 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion. There it is. Over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That's me and you. Sheep, oxen, even the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the seas that pass under the paths of the seas. So we have dominion over the earth. It's not shocking that we've explored the entire world. We've gone to the moon. It's that that nature. It's our destiny. It's who we are. We are designed to explore. We are designed to dominate. But there's always that but, isn't there? We lack divine authorization until we're under the control of God, who owns it all anyway. The destiny of dominion. So now... Adam with dominion over this entire garden and animals, now he has to classify all of them. Genesis 2, 19 and 20. Of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Adam names these things. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air and every beast of the field. Wow. This is before sin. This is before the fall. This is when he has that intuitive touch with God so close. He has perfect intuition. Adam can see intuitively the relationship these animals have in the kingdom. And he can express their names. And the final feature of this whole creation story is a mate. Genesis 2, 21 to 24. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. Then he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord created from man he made into a woman. He brought her to the man and Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of man. Therefore a man will leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife and they will become one flesh. Despite everything that God had given to Adam, I mean, yikes, he knew something was missing. There was not one creature with which Adam could relate at his own level. There was no one he could share these deep it, that he was experiencing with. Another breathed God soul. And think about it, all of these scenes of the garden would be very difficult to enjoy alone. There ought to be someone like me, a creature like me that I can share this experience with. Who wants real grandeur if you're alone? I had an incredible experience. PALCON, you may or may not be aware, is, stands for Pastors and Leaders Conference. They're, they're regional. I had the incredible privilege. I was asked to be one of the speakers at Africa PALCON. So I, I flew to Johannesburg, was with other speakers, and met with all, all the, they cut Africa in half, the, the top, bottom half of Africa, all the pastors and leaders met. It was an incredible few days. But To give us something to do for coming kind of an entertainment day, a travel day, they let us go on safari, which was cool. Now, the safari are jeeps, and they go into this reserve, and they go off in different directions, so that if someone sees a pride of lions, they'll call the other jeeps, and they'll all join. So going in different directions, you're actually covering a lot of ground, and sure enough, in, 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 in the two days that we were on safari, I, I, saw, I saw elephant, uh, I, I saw lions. In the, it's different than the zoo, to see them in, in the wild. There was a jeep, he's got this great big gun. I said, what's that gun for? He says, "If something goes wrong. I said, has there anything ever gone wrong? He said, no. But he, the, the most rare animal that you're not going to see is a leopard. There's not that many of them. And he stopped the jeep and said, freeze. In the bush right there. Is an adult leopard. He said, This is unbelievable for you guys. And I kid you not. It's kind of like a dirt road we were on, a semi-road. This leopard casually walked across right in front of us. And we were all taking pictures just in one of those awe moments. In fact, I, I asked him, I said, have you ever had that happen? He said, I've been taking groups into, into the reserve for 13 years. I've, never, I've, I've seen leopards far away. I've never had anything like that. It was absolutely incredible. You know my first thought? I wish Tammy was here. As much as I enjoyed that experience, it was a little hollow for me. Because I wanted Tammy to have the same. I could tell her all about it, but she wasn't there. That, I wonder if that's part of Adam. When Eve is now here, he has someone to enjoy and partner in the grandeur. Someone to fully absorb and share everything with. Adam needed this, a partner, not a second-class servant. A partner, a helpmate. And there's parallels here. He's teaching us what God wants from us. Over and above everything, in his glory is tied to Fellowship. What Adam is to experience with Eve, he now says, I want to experience with you. And Adam and Eve, you will fellowship. You will partner together, living out God's glory. Putting Adam to sleep, removing one of the ribs, building this woman. I'd love to see Adam's response for the first time he saw her. Yeah! This is what I've been waiting for! Now, a little bit deeper. The picture of Christ and his church has the parallel to Adam. And Eve, what the church is to Christ, Eve is to Adam. It's a picture of partnership and intimacy, giving glory to God. It's no wonder the Bible says, as Jesus sacrificially gave himself for the church, the husband sacrificially gives himself to his wife. Adam longed for relationship, longed for fellowship. So therefore, Jesus longs for us. Stop. I talk fast. I'm afraid you're absorbing a sentence and I'm three sentences down the road. I'm sorry. Stop. Jesus longs for us. Don't go fast here. Got you on that. Jesus longs for you in love and fellowship and partner to the glory of God. Everything always goes back there. There's tremendous truth. We were created to God where we see glory. He didn't create us because he's lonely. He created us that he would receive glory and we could live victoriously over Satan every day. Now, before we get too far away from creation, let let me give you those four distinctive characteristics of Adam. Because as we build in the the future weeks, you've got to kind of know these. In the creation story, the four characteristics of, of Adam. Number one, the method of creation. Adam's body was molded out of clay and then directly breathed by the Spirit of Almighty God. Adam and God are face-to-face, giving him and us the capacity for a relationship with God unlike any other creation. Number two, the purpose of man's creation. Adam was to exercise authority as God's representative over the entire earth to God's glory. Number three, the destiny as an intelligent partner of God, intuitively naming the animals, showing his authority over the earth. And number four, the provision of a mate. God provides Adam that sense he needed someone and he filled it, satisfied it with Eve. This pattern of this relationship, we're designed for intimacy, purpose, destiny, all wrapped up in Christ. And in this whole package, God then turns around and says, I will now give you all of Adam's descendants complete free will. You can choose you can choose to reject me. Why would he do that? Wouldn't it be easier? No, the problem is, if we don't have choice, we're robots. Where does he get glory out of robots? We've got to be able to make our own spiritual decisions that can open the door to glory. If you and I are merely robots, I can't figure out how on earth God gets any glory. Creating Adam, he didn't go around and say, do this, don't do that. When you're a brand new person in Christ, dead to what you used to be, now living kingdom, he's not going to be there every second and say, don't do that. Do this. He doesn't have a big stick. But he left us with a representative of him that does guide us. we got to have a guide. There ought to be something that says, wait a second, don't do this. Something ought to touch my soul. I say, that might not be wise as I live kingdom. Or that would be very wise if I live kingdom. There ought to be something that reacts to my soul. Because God's not going to stand over me with a big stick every day. Yeah, we do. His word. Guided by the Holy Spirit. You ever ever notice some of the things the word says? John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, they'll keep my word. And my Father will then love them. And will make him to have a home with him. It's guiding us. He will never go against his word. It's the ultimate guide for our existence. But but how does he do that? How does he come to us in this battle? He abides in his word that the Holy Spirit uses, touching our soul. we, We can't love God more than we love his word. The test of our relationship might be our attitude toward his word. Now, this was true of Adam. Let's go all the way back. God did not give Adam the Bible. It wasn't written yet. But he gave him two verses. And these two verses kind of are the Bible at that time. It's God's word to Adam. So in a way, it's the Bible. The only Bible Adam's got. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat, you shall die. That's the word of the Lord. You know, as you think about it, that's Adam's Bible. Two verses. A promise, freely eat, a condition, not that tree. That's God's word for us today. A promise and a condition. And that was Adam's whole Bible. You ever, people have the goal, I'm going to read a Bible an entire year? For Adam, it was pretty easy. But, yeah, he comes. Genesis 3, 4. Satan now has a word. You'll surely not die. We have the word of God and an immediate challenge from Satan. That's today. Welcome to our life, huh? Satan always begins with a lie. And this was the first lie to mankind. He always starts with a lie and has a way of building momentum from there. The word is always a challenge met immediately with a satanic response. Look at what he did. He got Adam and Eve to ignore the promise and consider the condition. The promise was all the trees, the condition, not that tree. He got them to ignore the promise. All those trees... He got them to focus on one tree. Ever wonder, how big was the garden? Were there a thousand trees? More? Were there ten thousand trees? All with gigantic fruit? All for Adam and Eve. Go at it! How in the world could Satan get them to ignore the entire majesty of this gigantic garden? Maybe thousands of trees, who knows? And look at one tree. He knows how to make the forbidden beautiful. Remember, he's beautiful and he can make sin look somewhat beautiful. That one tree became almost irresistible. They forgot everything else. They forgot the promise and focused on the condition. Remember, the Bible calls Satan evil. Never one time does it ever, ever call him stupid. Now, Adam and Eve are in that clear decision. They're not robots. They have a choice between God's truth... And Satan's lie. That's us today. A decision at the core. Their very soul. Remember, he didn't create robots. He gave us free will. There is a go- glory opportunity because of our free will. Look at it like this. If all God wanted was your obedience, he could force it. He wants choice. That you can truly choose Christ To the defeat of Satan every single day. That's what the kingdom is. God receiving glory because of my choices. And every day Satan's being defeated again because of my choices. That's why you were created. And you know the rest of it. The tragic error of all time. Adam and Eve rejected the truth of God. All those trees. And went to the one they weren't supposed to. They received Satan's lie. We got to guard against the same choice. We settle our destiny by how we respond to God's word when it speaks to our soul. Maybe he even speaks to your soul during this series saying, you need to get things right between me and you. Now look carefully at the order here. Because again, what happened to them is what happens to us. The more we know about them, the more, we are, the more prepared we are for us. Permission. God always begins with a positive. You may meet any tree in the garden except one. Prohibition. Which causes us to recognize his authority and create a choice. Not that one tree shall you eat. Permission, prohibition, warning. In that day you will die, and evil will enter the world, and you will lose the garden. As long as Adam and Eve believed God and obeyed him, no one could touch him. No one could take away his peace. No one could take away his life. No one could take away his blessings. Nobody could take him out of that gigantic garden. He rejected God's word. He rejected God. God did not receive glory. And there's no void here. If God doesn't receive glory, somebody does. That's right. Lucifer received the glory that went to God. Because he can go to God and say, look what I just did. There's never a a neutral, there's never a void over our decisions. They count. So, I don't want to be hard here, but who got glory from your decisions yesterday? Think back of those decisions. Who, Who got glory from your decisions last week? No wonder Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom. That's the lesson of all scripture. Frankly, the Bible is kind of a bunch of stories of people who lived kingdom and were blessed and people who didn't live kingdom and were not blessed. The Bible story is about nations who lived kingdom and God blessed them, and who didn't live kingdom and God re- refused his blessings. See, maybe you've never once shaken your fist at God and say, I'm not gonna serve you. However, rejecting his words is the same thing because he's not getting glory from your life. And in a bizarre manner that maybe you never thought of, Satan is. Saying, But Gene, Kingdom living every day, it's really difficult. I get that. Because today, I could just float downstream and live the culture of today, because the culture of today is the opposite of God's Word. The worldly system that we live in totally rejects the Word of God, they substitute it with their own philosophies. Yes. They're going to tip their hat to Jesus, particularly at an election year. They're going to use Jesus as a political tool, but they are not going to bow down to Jesus and declare Him God. The follower of Jesus is so different. The disciples look at the things of this world, understand them too well, and therefore reject them. As followers of Christ, we look solely to Him for our tomorrows. We're intentionally living destiny and purpose, living kingdom. So what's the answer to my problems? Continue to live kingdom, my choices that God receive, glory. Adam and Eve were at a spot where every need was met. All they had to do was be obedient. You and I can have God's provision and his blessings as long as we are obedient to the word which he uses to touch our very soul and speak to us. Some things are pretty simple. Even though there's depth in the subject of spiritual warfare, Some things are really simple and that is Father, we just come before you and we pray again that I I think for a lot of people even though we're not in the same room and I think your presence is unique in a church but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist in a home. I think there are people who are saying I think I'm in that weird word conviction. I feel like God is speaking to my soul, not just to me, but down in my soul, saying you have not really lived kingdom. Your choices have given glory to the enemy because he loves to come to me and say, look what I've done. God in heaven, forgive me. May I die out to the junk that's been in my life. Literally die out to that, that I might live kingdom. May you receive glory because you didn't create robots. What a gamble. What a gamble. We have the opportunity and privilege to give you glory. We praise you. Uh, just to two seconds. Next week, we're going to move away from creation. We, we, we spent the last few weeks because creation fills in so many holes for us. We want to move up to the angels in this war. Next Sunday, we're going to begin defining angels. How do angels fight? They can't kill each other. And how do they involve us? The dominant scripture is Daniel. Daniel prayed for 21 days. He didn't get his answer until the 21st day. But the answer was there the first day. Why did we blow 21 days? Because there was a battle between the angels in heaven. Satan demons blocking the angels of God to get this message to Daniel. What was that battle about, this invisible battle? As we understand that, we get a real picture. God's given us this story that we might understand this battle. And now we can build off that, and next week we're going to begin to talk about literally a personal angel and personal demon over you, over the church, over the country. And we want to understand what the different types of angels are. not all the same what all different types of angels there are all next week. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be deep. Let let me leave you with this thought because I think we're learning a lot. We don't merely learn, but we need to live out what we're learning. This isn't school. This is life. And I can't wait to see you in person next week. Let's worship together, too.